Hey guys, welcome to Drunk Gossip. It's Ed coming to you live from the Drunk Gossip Studios here in New York City. Um, if you haven't had a chance to go listen to Mandy's podcast, Mandy's, Mandy's still musing, go listen to it. Um, it's much shorter than this one. Um, she does usually under 10 minutes. Um, the newest episode is great. It's a classic, um, Mandy's musing. Um, and it's just really fantastic. Um, I, I listened to it twice so far just because I woke up this morning and I did not want to work and I needed inspiration for ways to avoid work. So there's that. Um, so today I'm going to be drinking, since it's still morning-ish time, by the time I finish it'll be afternoon, but right now it's still morning, so I'm going to be drinking cherry coke and vodka, because that seems like a brunchy, just before lunch type of drink to me. Um, part of the reason why I brought up, um, Mandy's podcast and, and so that it was a classic Mandy's Musing is because um, Woody Allen has did an interview and is trying to paint himself as some sort of hero. So, basically, he did an interview with the French press, and he said that he should be the poster boy for the Me Too movement. Now, when I first saw the headline on page six, I was like, what the hell, man? Like, this makes no sense to me at all. Like, you are accused of raping your daughter. That's not someone I would want to put as the face of a movement about not sexually assaulting or sexually harassing women. So, in the the interview, he kind of goes a little bit further and says, you know, in my 50-year career, I've never been accused of harassing um, big stars, stars, newer stars. Uh, It's really clumsily worded. Like... The stars, maybe he doesn't harass, but he doesn't say anything about the extras. I'm just saying. Um, and I can hear Mac just, like, getting really mad at me. I'm sorry. But it's true. It really is true. Um, so, and page six points out, because as I was reading, I was like, well, what about Muriel Hemingway? No, she didn't accuse him of assault. She didn't accuse him of bad behavior or anything like that. But she did say that he tried to seduce her when he when she was 18 and he was 44. I just want that to sink in for a second. She was 18. He was 44. He was old enough to be her father. And I, I know people are going to say, well, age is just a number. Yeah. It is just a number. You know what else is a number? My weight. But people still want to know that, too. It, it's, there's just some things that cross the line into creepy. 
And it wouldn't matter if it was reversed and it was a woman dating a, a an older woman dating a younger man. If the queen suddenly started dating Justin Bieber, I'm going to be grossed out about it. Sorry, your royal highness, but it's true. There, you know, just for me, like I get that not everyone looks at age the same way I do, but age is a little bit more than a number. It's also about the maturity level. You know, when you're old enough to be someone's parent. Not okay. Um, you know, and and getting back to the whole idea of um of him being the poster boy for me too. He uh, he was accused. Um, Dylan Farrow. His daughter has accused him of um, molesting her and raping her. Um, there are some people who believe that Mia Farrow has planted fake memories in her. Um, her Dylan's brother Moses has come to Woody's defense. Um, but the Connecticut Police Department did say that they found enough evidence to prosecute, but they didn't want to put poor Dylan through the whole um, ordeal of um, going through a trial. But um, Woody's behavior was grossly inappropriate. So there's that. Um, The way I was connecting it to Mandy was, or Mandy's um, podcast, is in this episode she talked about a snake. Um, And it's a really funny story about her son. Um, but Woody Allen kind of reminds me of that snake. Maybe I'm just already drunk. I'll be right back. Alright guys, I'm back. Um, I'm going to try making a drink while I talk to you guys. This is going to be very, very difficult. Um, and the level of craziness that is... Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande's relationship is just staggering. Like, okay, we've all been crazy in love and done stupid things. Um, you know, I I've moved in with a guy way too fast. I've um given up jobs for for a guy. So I understand, like, when you're just in that rush of romance, you sometimes forget that you shouldn't be doing this. And I think that's what's happening with Pete Davidson and Ariana Grande. Now, Pete Davidson broke up with his longtime girlfriend, like, two minutes ago. And, you know, that was, that was sad. Um, but then he moved on to Ariana Grande, like, 30 seconds ago. And, you know, I can already hear people. These are obviously not real times. And if this was a blog, you'd be commenting up a storm about my exaggeration. But it's not really that much of an exaggeration. Like, he broke up with his long-time girlfriend, and then started dating Ariana Grande, like, super-duper fast. 
and now he's getting Ariana Grande tattoos. Now, first of all, I didn't know Ariana Grande had tattoos. Who in their right mind thought, hmm, Ariana Grande tattoos makes perfect sense. Let's do this. Um, you know, it's not like Pete doesn't already have tattoos. That's part of his appeal, honestly. Like, he's that bad boy comedian we all want to do. Um, but I don't know. Like, it just seems like I don't have any tattoos. I I probably will never have any tattoos because I'm scared of needles. Um, but it, it just seems really, really fast to me. Like, what are they going to announce next week? That they're engaged? You know, the the rush of a relationship can be fun if you enjoy it. But it's like they're hitting all of these beats. But we don't know why. Like, is this a real relationship? Is this a Taylor Swift relationship? Damn it, Taylor Swift. Um, you know, she's really kind of changed the game for celebrity dating. Um, when she was with Tom Hiddleston, um, you know, the the epic worldwide romance. And then the nasty breakup. I really don't want Pete to go through another nasty breakup. Um, because, you know, it, it, it has to be hard enough for him... You know, he does have a mental illness. Um, we talked about this before. Um, when people said that he shouldn't be dating because of it. That's not true. But you also have to be careful. You know, and I'm, I like I don't think Ariana Grande is after him for his money. Because she's Ariana freaking Grande, okay? She she makes money on her own. Um, but... Uh, it, There's just something really off about this whole thing. You know, I... We don't know how they met. Or if if someone does, please please email me and tell me. Because I'm really curious as to how they met. Um, but after a week of dating, you're gonna get a tattoo of somebody? And I can already hear people telling me, well, maybe it was more than a week of dating. Maybe they've been dating secretly. Anything under a year getting a tattoo... Is too fast. After a year, you're pretty... You're not, like... It's not guaranteed that the relationship's gonna last, because it never is. But after a year, you pretty much can say, okay, this is a long-term relationship. We're not gonna just break up. After a week, like, I don't know. I just feel like you can... You can say, oh, yeah, we're done. And, And move on, but... He's always going to have those tattoos on his neck. So, there's that. I'll be right back. Okay, so... I have to make a confession. I love John Mayer. Um, His music is brilliant. Um, And, frankly, I think he's hot. Um, I I, I hear Mandy and Dave screaming at me right now, telling me I'm wrong. It's okay. I still love you both. And when John Mayer and I get married, you're still invited to the wedding. Um, but I do, I, I think, I, I've always found talent very, very sexy. And no matter how douchey he's gotten in public, he's still a very, very talented man. Um, and 
he he plays the game very well. I mean, we don't know if he's straight, gay, bi. We do know that he's only been in public relationships with women. But there have been um there have been stories about him being with men, um, most famously from Press Hilton. Um, I, I forget how, exactly how the story goes, but I believe um, Perez was um, giving him or, orally servicing um, John Mayer. Um, like I said, I don't quite remember how that story goes, and I don't feel like looking it up right now. Um, but but there have been other stories, and I believe John himself has kind of at least hinted that he's he's bi. So, he was hosting Watch What Happens Live for Andy Cohen's 50th birthday. Now, just for the record, I hate Andy Cohen. I think he's a major douchebag. And he uses misogyny in order to have a career. If you don't believe me, watch The Real Housewives. Watch anything that that man produces. Um... So, anyway, so they were hosting, and they were, um, Andy and John were having a conversation, and John was thanking him for, you know, getting his A-list friends to speak to him, and, you know, and he, he has, he said something along the lines of, you know, it's really funny to me, like, these people will talk to me for you, and, you know, they'll be friendly with me, but they also keep me at a distance, because I have a very toxic reputation, And it's really funny because anyone who knows, like, before, it wasn't really that toxic. He dated Jessica Simpson, um, Jennifer Aniston, and while those relationships didn't work out, the breakups didn't seem that ugly until, I believe it was a Playboy interview where he called... Um, Jennifer, uh, not Jennifer Anderson, Jessica Simpson, sexual napalm. And that's when he became kind of the, the toxic bachelor that people see him as now. Um, I mean, he said other, like, really gross things. Um, at one point, he said that he wouldn't sleep with a black woman because his dick wouldn't let him and it just that didn't make any sense because it was just a douchey douchey comment um but he, he's since made amends and um I believe he was hitting on Nicki Minaj at some point which John love you stay away from Nicki Minaj she and Eminem are the couple that I am Praying actually happens because Nicki Minaj and Eminem. Um, but if you're looking for someone to date, I'm available. And I'm a pseudo-celebrity, I guess, maybe, sort of? Um, I'm at least part of the press, so I can, I can give you good press. Um, <laughs> but so, anyway, so the whole... As their conversations continued... Um, John revealed that Jennifer Lawrence won't go anywhere near him. Of course Katniss isn't going to go near you. Because she doesn't want to 
be in another very public relationship. She's already had one of those, two of those. And she doesn't want to deal with it again. Um, so that that's just something you kind of have to live with. Um, but at the end of the interview, um, I call it an interview, at the end of the thing, of the conversation, John said that he was setting himself up for another, um, a celebrity relationship and would probably end up back where he was 10 years ago. To which I say, just date me. I can publicly fight with you. I can do all the trashy stuff that these people do. I know how the Hollywood game is played. But then we could... Then you could discover that my body is a wonderland afterwards. I'll be right back. So... I'm back. Unfortunately, Mariah Carey is not. Everyone thought that this year would be the year she made her come back and regain her status as the diva du jour. Um, you know, here, before we get to the, the actual story, let's just talk about Mariah Carey for a minute. She was, I believe she was the number one female selling um singer in the 90s and the 2000s she conceded that title but um we belong together was um the biggest hit of the early 2000s and um the most played but the 2010s have not been as kind to Mariah Carey. Um, she's had some minor hits, but nothing, nothing like um, what the past would suggest she should have. You know, and people will say, well, you know, there are, um, you know, the, the lifespan of a singer isn't that great. I call Bullpucky. Um, Rod Stewart has been big since the 70s. Cher has been around since the 60s. Uh, Barbara Streisand has been around, I want to say since like the 60s. If, if they're good, they stick around. Um, even Britney, you know, Britney started in the 90s, albeit I'll, I'll concede that it was the late 90s. Um, but she still has hits today. Maybe they're not as big as they once were. But she's still making music. Her her CDs are still selling a ton. So there's there's just something about Mariah Carey. Like, she's not connecting with the audience the way that she used to. And that brings us to today's story. She allegedly is having trouble selling out her Las Vegas residency. Uh, yeah, I... On the one hand, I can kind of argue that this is a bullpucky story because it's Mariah Carey, it's Las Vegas, and those people don't have a hard time, you know, selling out those seats. On the other hand, I kind of see it. If this was 90s Mariah Carey, 
even a little bit of the early 2000s, this would not be an issue. But we all watched her disastrous New Year's Eve 2016 performance on New Year's Rockin' Eve with Ryan Seacrest. Nobody wants to shell out two, three hundred dollars for this. You know, it's it, it's just not something that people want to do. You know, um, like if I if I'm shelling out two hundred dollars and going to a Britney show, I'm not going in thinking she's singing every song live. I'm not going in thinking, oh, you know, this is. I'm going in for the entertainment value because. Every con- every Britney concert I've ever seen has brought that entertainment value. Um, with Mariah Carey, I would go in expecting her to sing, just like I would expect Adele to sing. And because they have the pipes, they 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 know. They don't really have to work the stage like Madonna does. Madonna doesn't really have to work the stage, but she does work it. Um, abrupt for Mariah Carey say that this is all bullpucky. But of course they're going to say that. They're not going to admit to being in crisis mode. That's not what celebrities do. You know, there was one, Alanis Morissette. Um, she had just released her, her follow-up CD to Jagged Little Pill. And it didn't sell all that great. I mean, it, it sold well enough because it was a lot of smart set. And, and she still had the name recognition, but... Um, and I think it was Rolling Stone that asked her, you know, like, are you worried about this? And her answer was epic. She said, you know, I was talking to my producer and my record label, and they said, first one, you sell $10 million. That's great. That's a phenomenon. Second one, you sell maybe a million copies. Third one, you sell, you know, a million copies. It's all about the longevity and the career. And so what I'm thinking with Mariah Carey is, it's all about the career. You know, get out there, night after night, maybe you only sell a half dozen tickets. You know, maybe there are empty seats. But you get out there, you put on a show, and you show them that you are Mariah Carey, you're going to sing, and you're going to entertain them, and the masses will come. And so will the vodka, so I need to be right back. Okay, I'm back. And I want to thank November O'Malley um, for taking me to see First Reform this weekend. Um, it was, it was, it was a movie. Um, this is going to be Drunk Gossip's first ever movie review. And the special episode with, with November O'Malley, um, will be coming soon. Ah, so, let's talk about First Reform. I I wrote a review about it on for vocal media. Just look it up. Um, the title is Reform First Reformed. Um, and the line that really 
the, the last line of the article is what I'm going to start with here. And that is, no movie has a right to be this bad without showing us Ethan Hawke's butt. So let's, let's dig into this a little. Um, as you all know, I'm a writer. Um, I've also taken film with the fabulous Laura Kendall. Um, and she taught me a lot about what it means to make a good film. Um, you know, so I, I don't pretend to be an expert. I don't pretend to be anything other than what I am. Um, in, in terms of this, when I'm, I'm a screen, uh, an aspiring screenwriter, I haven't been paid for one yet. Um, but I, I've had two movies I've written filmed, um, well, I filmed them myself. But again, no payment yet. So, aspiring. Um, but what they did with this script was blasphemous to the writing community. They took all these genres. It's a psychological thriller. It's a romance. It's a, a, an independent film that is all about character. And put it into a blender. And the result is an epic mess. Yes, you can look it up on Rotten Tomatoes and you're going to see it has a score of like 96, I believe. But the audience score is much less at 79. Um, and my score is even lower. It is negative 10%. Um, Ethan Hawke is great. Um... He's one of those actors who is very versatile. He can bounce back and forth. Um, but he, even though he's supposed to hold this movie together, he doesn't. Even he seems to be just like, ooh, okay, on this page, I'm an alcoholic pastor, and on the next page, I have cancer. I'm just going to go ahead and do this. Um, Amanda Seyfried... Is probably gives the performance of her career. Um, and if this was released at any other time, namely fall, she would be getting... Us, um, her name would be in the Oscar mix. As it stands, it's not going to be. I could be wrong. Get Out was dominated in that. It was released in February... Or Feb- January. Um... But I, I just don't see this movie having the same kind of legs as Get Out. Um, so the basic plot is Ethan Hawke, it plays um, Reverend Toller, who is, um, whose church is about to have its 250th anniversary. Um, and the, the reconcentration is being supported by the mega church of the uh, of the city. And from there, this is where it gets dicey. Because it starts out where Toller is writing in his journal and telling us that he's going to do this for 12 months. And then he counsels um, Amanda Seyfried's husband, uh, Matt... Amanda Seyfried's Mary's husband, Michael. And then after two counseling sessions, Michael committed suicide, 
color from the body. And I was like, oh, this is going to turn into a crime drama. I can, I, I like that. Like, I can deal with that. And had they gone that route, it would have been interesting. If they had even just stuck to the route of a pastor trying to struggle with his faith. You know, I this might be an unpopular opinion, but... I think that would be a really interesting story. Um, instead, it, it tries to be everything to everybody. And it ends up failing. Like, just days after her husband commits suicide, Amanda Seyfried, Mary, asked Reverend Toller to play the... I, I forgot what they call it, but it's some sort of game. Basically, it's non-sex where they... they lay on top of one another. Fully clothed. But it's supposed to be really intimate and whatever. And it just ends up being... weird. And... if we could see, like, some sort of motivation... For these characters, maybe that would make it better. But as as a writer, the script just falls flat. As someone who studied film, there are some really great shots. Um, But it's just not... Don't waste your money. When it comes to Netflix, if you really want to see it, watch it. And... You know, I just want to apologize to Matthews. I I began by insulting... Well, not really insulting, but doing a negative Woody Allen piece. And I'm ending by doing a negative piece about this movie that he loved. So, I'm sorry, Matt. But it's just my opinion. Uh, Thank you, guys. And I will be back with another episode later on this week. Cheers.